Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, July 13th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers for a very late night edition of Fantasy Baseball today. On the show, we've got Chris Sales' return. Esteri Ruiz was promoted by the Padres. Some big pitching performances. And we do have a trio of Apple Podcast review questions that I will get to. They are earlier in the rundown. I've made sure of it. Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you know we do answer some of those questions because we're very appreciative of those Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to it. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, it appears that Chris was so excited for the show that he disappeared, and now he's back. Oh my goodness gracious! Standouts for the day. We will start with Scott because he did not uh. disappear. <laughs> Yes, I did not. I've been here this whole time, and I will I will not take a breadstick this time, or the breadstick even. I don't know what the opposite of a breadstick would be. Like Scott, just move around a little bit because your audio is doing that weird thing where it's not catching you. Okay. How is this? Is it catching me now? It's catching you. you Got to catch it all. I love Pokemon. Okay. I know you do. <laughs> I said it on your for for your benefit. Okay, Thank so the, the player I'm picking, if if I may get there and stop beating around the bush, is Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, did you? Well, Andrew Woo. McCutcheon had a big old game here on Tuesday. Andrew McCutcheon went two for four with a homer domer. It was his ninth of the season. It was his second in as many games. And it was his sixth in about a month's time. Last 31 games now for Andrew McCutcheon. He's batting right around 325. I didn't do the math including today's game yet, but it would be right around 325 with those six home runs. Again, that's in a 31-game stretch. And if you look at his stat cast page, as we are so inclined to do, Andrew McCutcheon looks like a pretty good player there, too. His expected batting average is up near 280. And his expected slug is respectable as well. He certainly looks like a player who deserves to be rostered in more than 44% of the leagues he's in. I liked the move to Milwaukee. I liked that he came into this year with, with better health after battling, I think it was a knee issue all of last year. And I, I think that health is starting to show. He's also you know, contributes a stolen base every now and then, even at his advanced age. And I think in those five outfielder leagues, certainly, McCutcheon deserves a second look now that he's come around. Mm-hmm. Look, obviously, points leagues are usually shallower. You start three outfielders in that format, but, you know, his his playing style does kind of lend itself to the points league format. During this recent stretch, Scott, last 30 games, he's got a 13% strikeout rate. He you know, always walks quite a bit. So if you do need an outfielder in a points league, I think McCutcheon makes sense there as well. And uh, Scott, how does he rank among this group? You know, most added outfielders recently, Ramon Laureano. Um, really, that's it. <laughs> yeah, because you know, all I these pooed uh, Loriano yesterday. Because so. Frandel Reyes is too rostered; he's seventy five percent. Kirilov is seventy five percent. So, like, the only one that really yeah. makes sense is is Loriano. Yeah, and i I think I like McCutcheon more. Mm. Loriano is likely to finish with a higher raw home run and stolen base total, but not by enough that I want to just rather have McCutcheon, who I think is the better all-around player. So I'm, I'm going to say McCutcheon. All right, fair enough. Chris, Ramon Laureano or Andrew McCutcheon? I think it's Laureano 
quite easily, actually. For all the things that you want to say about, you know, McCutcheon's expected stats looking pretty good, Loriano's actually look even better. And I think Loriano is not just a good bet to have more stolen bases, but, like, I think it's probably, like, at least 50% more, if not higher. Like, he has about, I want to say, 75% as many plate appearances as Andrew Moe. McCutcheon right now going off the top of my head it's like 235 to 314 and he's got nine steals to six for McCutcheon so I I think Loriano is definitely a better source of steals I think the power is probably pretty close especially and this is where I think Loriano gets a a sneaky edge he's got to get traded right like there's no way the Oakland Athletics hang on to him he seems like the most obvious trade candidate among hitters and I think that's only going to benefit him because he plays in the worst hitting park in baseball. So, yeah, I think uh, Loriano is both a short-term and long-term play. Yeah, we spoke about Loriano yesterday. People know that I do like him quite a bit. It, it might be as simple as format dependent. You know, maybe in a points league, you go with McCutcheon and in Roto or categories, you go with uh, Ramon Loriano. But I think I'd be leaning Loriano as well. But I was surprised to see how good McCutcheon has been over the past month. So I'm happy uh, you brought him up there, Scotty. Loriano has another two years of team control after this year. So, you know, if, if, if they don't find an offer to their liking, I don't feel like they have to trade him. You know, it's not an impending free agent situation. Yep. It's more, yeah, it's more reading the, the tea leaves and the rumor mill. You know, he, he's been mentioned okay. an awful lot. All right, Chris, let's go back to you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Stand out from Tuesday. Yeah, let's go with the most frustrating pitcher in baseball, Jose Barrios, who uh, matched a career high with 13 strikeouts today. Uh, that is like, what, one-seventh of his season total? Actually, a little better than that. So about 18% of his season total in strikeouts came in this start. And uh, I don't exactly know what to attribute it to. Um, I mean, he had 20 whiffs, which is a really good number, but it's not like such an outlandish number. His curveball was really good. 61% CSW rate is just bonkers. It's out of this world. But like, I don't know, maybe he just had a really good feel for it. I don't know. There's no, there doesn't often seem to be much rhyme or reason to when Barrios is good and when he's not good. It often happens that those two things seem to happen kind of randomly. And uh, I don't know. I I haven't given up faith on him, and I think this start especially will uh, will help people buy back in. But I also don't view this start as necessarily like a sell-high candidate uh, or a sell-high moment. So that's all I really know what to make of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned how much He's this strikeout total uh, accounted for his total strikeouts this season. This is actually the second time this season alone, not just in his career, that he's had 13 strikeouts in a game. So a, really a large majority of his strikeouts have come in just two games this season, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I just yeah. pulled up the the game recap on MLB.com to see if there was any quotes about anything he might have been doing differently and really not much. It's a lot of PR answers between yeah. him and, and Charlie Montoyo. Um, I watched well, it early it, on. He just seemed to have more conviction. Like he was just throwing his pitches with, you know, more confidence. And I, I, it seems so cliche, but, you know, he was just trusting his stuff. And to be fair, like the bottom half of this Phillies lineup is not good. Like JT Real Muto is on the restricted yeah. list or something. So I don't know. But I, that could be part of it. But yeah, it was a great well, outing for him. It was hard to tell what had gone wrong for Jose Barrios. We, we just see it in the results. Yeah. And so when you, yeah. when you can't see the source, of what went wrong, it's you're not going to detect the source of what went right in all likelihood either. And it, it probably is just something really minute. But, you know, two great starts in a row now. And you don't see bad pitchers have 13 strikeout games pretty much ever. Like maybe a bad pitcher will come up with 10 strikeouts out of, out of the blue. But, like, 13 is a really difficult number to reach. That, that indicates a certain level of skill that, of course, we know Barrios to have. And, um, you know, if, if you're just tired of the headache and want to unload him, maybe now you, you could get something exciting for him. But yeah, I think he's probably going to be good rest of season, like top 30 good, you know, among starting pitchers. Yeah, I've, I've kept him in like my top 40 range, I think. So like even when things were going bad, it was precisely because 
It reminds me a lot of Luis Castillo last year, who I've made the comp with Charlie Morton as well, where it, clearly something's wrong, but I have not felt equipped to uh, be the one to diagnose what was wrong. You know, it could be a tip, pitch tipping thing or just like the, I don't know, the, the numbers that we typically go on mostly looked fine. You know, he mostly looked like himself, like Scott said. So I think that makes me more inclined to believe that he'll be fine moving forward. Now, fine doesn't mean ace, and people were drafting him as like a borderline ace this year, and I never thought that made sense. But I think he'll be more than useful. I've been the low guy on, on Jose Barrios consistently this season. He's just allowing so much hard contact. Swinging strike rate is a career low for uh, most of the season. I'm sure it'll go up after this start. Uh, so there's three names to me that are consistently ranked ahead of him that maybe you can buy low on. And, and typically pitcher for pitcher trades are, are kind of hard to pull off. But Scott, these three names, would you would you pull this off if you if you could? Jose Barrios for any of Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, or Shane Boz coming off of his worst start of the season. Oh man, they're they're all in similar situations, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I would say Giolito and Boz I would. Giolito for sure. I think Giolito's the one I have the most conviction for just cuz if both Giolito and Burrios figure it out, I think Giolito is just better. And I similarly don't have a good explanation for why Giolito's been so mediocre this season. So I'll just mm. assume like Burrios that he'll be better moving forward. And I think yeah. the better, the good version of Lito is better than the good version of Brios. Boz, I, 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 I think that's also true for Boz, but obviously he's much less proven than yeah. even Brios. So yeah, I, I think one, that's the, the order I put them into, and you you broke it down well. Uh, what I was looking up, uh, a commenter Ryan Main said it was mentioned on the Blue Jays broad, broadcast that Brios was tipping his pitches by opening his mouth on some as he delivered them <laughs> and, and not on others. And I was trying to check on Twitter if, if there was confirmation from that. There are a couple other like non-media types tweeting about it as if they heard it on the broadcast. With, you know, with, with things that are reported on broadcasts, you know, a lot of time it's, it's hard to find the, 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 the breadcrumbs to that to confirm it. But that's, you know, if, if that's so, then it might explain it. That sounds like exactly what we said. Some small, <laughs> nearly imperceptible, but like that, that's, that's, I guess, could be a possible lesson. Baseball's really hard, and the margins for error are really slim for 95% of the players. You know what's so weird about that is, is there, there will be times where I'm either throwing a baseball or football, and I realize that I do that too. Like, I will open my mouth for no necessary reason at all. Like, it just mm. happens. It's kind of like a weird. You're tipping your pitches, Frank. Tick or something. Crushed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why. That's crushed. why it's so easy to hit. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good thing I don't pitch. I'll leave that up to Chris. Uh, anyway, all right. So, oh my goodness gracious, for me, I want to talk about David Peterson, who uh, bounced back with a strong start at the Atlanta Braves. He goes five and a third, gives up two hits, three walks, two earned runs, nine strikeouts, fourteen swinging strikes on 105 pitches. Worth pointing out. Yes, the Braves do swing and miss quite a bit, but. David Peterson really leaned into his slider in this specific start through it 44% of the time. That was a season high. And this slider is amazing. It has a 154 batting average against a swinging strike rate over 25%. That's better than Dylan Cease. That's better than Garrett Cole's slider. Like that's how ridiculously good this slider has been so far for David Peterson. And with that, I mean, he's got a, you know, mid threes ERA. Over a strikeout per inning, the walks have been an, uh, a big issue for him, but you know, he kind of helps mitigate it by getting as many ground balls as he does. 53% ground ball rate, that's a, a great mark. So uh, strikeouts and ground balls are there. He just kind of has to rein in the uh, the control a little bit. I'm really, really interested in, in what we've seen so far in, uh, in David Peterson. Scott, what do you think? Is this a potential must-add opportunity for, for David Peterson? Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since a pitcher has emerged that we could get excited about who wasn't already like 70% rostered, you know, uh, and we're having to strain to call Hunter green, a potential waiver wire pickup, you know, but David Peterson, people have been slow to come around to him. Understandably. It's not like he was some hyped prospect and in previous stints, he wasn't anything special, but he may have figured something out here. It's been, 
you know, the four starts leading into this one, his swinging strike rate was 14%, which is very high. And, you know, on some of those starts, the slider usage was up, not all of them. But the, the slider does seem to be a legitimate pitch, and when he, he leans on it hard, it, you know, the results seem to be results seem to be good, even against a good lineup in this case. Now, the Braves do strike out a lot. They do tend to swing and miss a lot, but they can also put a hurting on pitchers who aren't very good. And uh, David, David Peterson kept them at bay. I agree. He does seem to be worth rostering, but one... Like he he seems to have one good pitch, and that's a really tough profile. Like you can you can get away with it, but you know it, it sort of feels a little bit like um, you know like some of the guys that we've kind of bought into at starting pitcher already this season, like Tyler Anderson or or Eric Lauer, where it just it does feel like it's probably not sustainable. And look, there's a reason he's widely available. You know, David Peterson doesn't have a long track record at all. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty skeptical that he's just good now all of a sudden, but he's still worth adding. Hmm. I hadn't thought about this, but if Jacob deGrom returns after the all-star break, I don't know that they're going to go six man rotation and they already have five that Scherzer, Peterson, Bassett, Carrasco, Taiwan Walker. Hmm. So does that give you any pause? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess Peterson would have to be the the person who's bumped in that scenario. I I'd looked at that recently, but I guess Scherzer wasn't back yet. And I was like, ah, oh, there's, um, I guess I was worried about it with Scherzer coming back, but yeah, with DeGrom on his heels, life tends to find a way and all that. Somebody else could get hurt, but pre- presuming everybody's healthy and they have to bump somebody who else would they bump? But Peterson. So we'll see. I'm, I, I'm not yeah, saying I mean, you shouldn't add him really based on that now, reason. Yeah. Yeah, Walker's pitching uh, tremendous, and yeah, so and they might they might go six man for a while. Who knows? Take a little pressure off Degrom. Then again, they are trying to they're trying to hold off those Braves. So yeah, they got to put their best foot forward every night too. Yeah, I don't know. They probably should just put Jacob Degrom in the bullpen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> David Peterson's been better than him this year, anyway. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh-oh. How about the Orioles? Right? So, like, can we just give it up to the Orioles? Nine wins in a row brings them to 500. This is the first time. They've been 500 past the halfway point since 2017. Shout out to the Baltimore Orioles. Happy that they're getting it done. Uh, I mentioned David Peterson. He's obviously the uh, most sought after waiver wire pitcher after the night. I'll just bring up these other two since we're talking about waiver wire pitchers. Do either of you like anything about Jordan Lyles or Bo Brisky? I do not. I tried to find no. things to like about <laughs> I usually try to find something where I can say... Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe this is a, a reason why this pitcher works, but I, I don't see anything for either of them. Fair enough. Agreed. Yep, quick, painless. All right, we can move on from uh, from those two. Let's talk about Esteori Ruiz, who got the call from the San Diego Padres here on Tuesday, and we've talked about him quite a bit. I actually think just on yesterday's podcast, he was having a monster season in the minors, 333 batting average, 13 homers, and yes, 60 steals across 77 games. The batting average seems a little over his head compared to everything else he's done in his minor league career. Not to say that prospects can't improve, but it is very high. Uh, He does have a little pop and legit 70-grade speed in his debut on Tuesday. He went two for four with an RBI. He had his first steal, but then the Rockies challenged, and it was unfortunately overturned. Ah. 35% rostered is Esteri Ruiz. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Do you think that he is a must-add player regardless of format, or is this just a categories type thing? No, not regardless of format. Uh, I think he's a must-add anywhere where steals really matter, though. So any categories league, any roto league, uh, definitely. I think once you start getting into head-to-head points, like, yeah, his play discipline this season has been really good. He's started walking a a lot, 14% walk rate this season. He's cut his strikeout rate down to 17%. Uh, Those are really impressive numbers, but... I don't know. He's always he's he's someone who the the prospect folks don't seem to like as much as the numbers might suggest. And I saw a really good example of why. So at AAA, he had 96 batted balls tracked by Statcast. 18 of them had an exit velocity of 95 miles per hour. 
18 out of 96. That is below 20%. No Padres player has a hard hit rate below 20% this season. So, like, you look at his numbers, and he looks like a five-category star. I mean, he looks amazing. He's hitting, like, 330 across two levels with pop, 13 homers in, you know, whatever, 77 games, the 60 steals. But there's a lot of extenuating circumstances at play. Like, if he's really got that limited of pop, um, I just don't I don't see how he's going to have the plate discipline that he had in the minors. And hmm. I just, like, yeah, I think he absolutely needs to be rostered because he could steal 30 bases the rest of the season. Although, I'll point out, again, because I think it's fascinating, stolen base totals from the minors are basically fake news right now. The minors' uh, second base is 13 and a half inches closer to first base in the minors than it is in the majors right now. So maybe that explains why he got caught stealing today. In the minors, he would have been safe. He wasn't used to the the difference. Um, but yeah, I'm excited but skeptical as well of at least the surface numbers from what he's done in the minors. All right, fair enough. He was batting eighth in his major league debut on Tuesday. Uh, he is a right-handed batter. He started against a lefty here. I do wonder if he will play every day out of the gate. We saw earlier in the season, the Padres were hesitant to play C.J. Abrams every day, who is an even better prospect than Estere Ruiz. So, Scott, what do you think about the playing time here? And, you know, if we're just kind of comparing him to other outfielder ads right now, Ramon Laureano, Andrew McCutcheon, where does he rank among that group? Oh, I'd put him ahead of all of them. I agree he's not must-add in, in points leagues especially. I think anywhere where we need stolen bases... You add him because, of course, he's not going to sustain, you know, 60 steals in 77 games. You you give him the 150 games you'd reasonably expect from a full-time player. That's 120 steal pace. And, of course, he's not going to do that. Nobody does that. But he, he likes to run and he seems to be good at it. And he is he is one of those players who... You know, even when he was a teenager, he got a little bit of prospect love as as this toolsy guy who could eventually amount to something. And it just took him an extra long time to amount to something. It seems like the becoming a more disciplined hitter was the key to that. Uh, I'm glad it, Chris was able to find some exit velocity information because that is important and it does say a lot. Nonetheless, at Double A San Antonio, of course he he spent. He spent about a third of his season at AAA El Paso, which is a hitter-friendly venue. But at AA San Antonio, which is not so hitter-friendly, uh, he hit 344 with nine home runs in 232 plate appearances there, 17 doubles. I mean, he he got plenty of extra base hits, including some that went over the wall. So, you know, so did Stephen Kwan at AAA last year, and I know I got faked out by that, and he's just been completely punchless. Um, but it does sound like Estuary Ruiz has more tools going for him than Quan did. So I am excited. I, I don't want to say cautiously optimistic. I, I want to say I'm excitedly pessimistic. Where like I definitely <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I said. Yeah, I definitely want to pick him up I, I, and, and see how it goes, especially anywhere where steals are valuable. But at the same time, you know, C.J. Abrams hasn't worked out this year, and he's a much better prospect than Estuary Ruiz. I, I think the key is don't look at Estuary Ruiz's numbers in the minors and think, oh, my God, he's like a potential superstar. He's probably not that. He had four batted balls today, 65.6, 66.4, 68.6, and 71.7 miles per hour. Now it's one game. You know, so it's not to say anything specifically. It's just, like you said, excitedly pessimistic. All right, let's move over to Chris Hale, who made his return, his first start in nearly nine months. He obviously missed everything up until this point with a rib injury, which he suffered in spring training. And he was at the Rays. He went five shutout, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts, only had four swinging strikes on 78 pitches, but everything else looked great. 37% CSW overall. Velocity was up across the board. 1.5 miles per hour on the fastball, 1.4 on the slider. And speaking of that slider, it looked filthy. It looked like vintage Chris Sale was a, a great pitch in the start for him. Um, overall, I think it was a very, very encouraging return. Scott, what do you think about uh, 
Chris Sale rest of season? Or do you plan to move him up a little bit in the rankings after his debut? Mm, I'm not sure how much room I have to move him up in the rankings yet because I was already pretty excited about him. And I think this just bolstered that. Of course, I like to see the swinging strikes and he didn't deliver those. But I think, you know, the fact his velocity was up a mile per hour and a half or 1.5 miles per hour, I should say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from last year. Not that I think he needs that velocity. I mean, we've seen him handle low, uh, we've seen him dominate with low 90s velocity, but, you know, it, it can only help. It can only help. And and he threw 68% of his pitches for strikes, his last minor league start where he threw that seven-year-old tantrum, which is what he called it, so I can call it that. Um, he walked a bunch of guys. So it was encouraging to see him in the strike zone consistently, and I think I think this is going to go well. I think if you stashed him all this time, you're going to be rewarded. All right, Chris, I moved him up to... And for some context... Go ahead. Yeah, for some context, this is only the third start since 2018 where he's averaged 95 miles per hour with his fastball. So, you know, this is the hardest we really have seen him throw in quite some time going back, you know, even before the injury. I moved him up to SP33 just behind Luis Castillo... Lucas Giolito and, and Darvish. I've been kind of aggressive in moving Castillo up because I like what I've seen recently. But Chris, does this range sound right for Chris Sale for now? That's that's right where I had him even before I saw him pitch. So I, I think um, I'm probably going to move him into the top 30. All right. right. Like I think him versus Spencer Strider is a really interesting one moving forward because Chris Sale is going to be better for innings for sure. Are we really that confident that Spencer Strider is just going to be better than Chris Dale the rest of the season? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing strikeout stuff from Strider, lack of a track record. But Chris Sale. Yeah, but also versus the injury mm-hmm. risk that I think Sale comes with. I mean, sure. you know, it's. I, I'm pretty sure he's over the rib injury, but he's dealt with so many things the past couple of years that I, I don't think that we can just overlook those as well. So sure. that's why I'm still you know, a little bit cautious about uh, moving him much higher in the rankings, but we'll see where it goes from here. It was a, a great debut for one Chris Sale. Some waiver wire hitters I wanted to mention. Obviously, we spoke about Andrew McCutcheon earlier. Uh, a few catchers did something of note here on Tuesday in a one catcher league. I would imagine those are the only leagues where these two are available. MJ Melendez went two for five with a triple and a run scored. He has now let off two games in a row for the Royals. He's 72% rostered, and Sean Murphy went four for five with two doubles and two RBI. His last 28 games, he is batting 317 with four homers and a 12% strikeout rate. So we've never really seen this from Sean Murphy, making a a ton of contact, lots of line drives, and he is 74% rostered. Scott, who do you like more, MJ Melendez or Sean Murphy? Yeah, I still like Melendez more, especially now that he, the Royals have started batting him lead off that that's obviously going to give him more chances and do all the things we like for a leadoff hitter. And, you know, the, the strikeout-to-walk ratio, the exit velocity, it's all still very impressive for Melendez. I know it hasn't been smooth sailing for him recently, but I still think there's a lot of upside there. All right. Uh, any interest? I was going to bring up Tyro Estrada. He had a double dong here on Tuesday. He's now up to 12 homers. He's got 12, uh, nine homers, rather, 12 steals, but he's still 75% rostered, so he's not really available, you know, in, in I guess the leagues where, you know, shallowest leagues where we'd be looking for him. But um, uh, he's only started three of the last five games for the San Francisco Giants as well. So, Chris, I don't know, man. Like, just evaluating Tyro Estrada all season has kind of been weird because. He never really played this much, and he's been good, but I don't know how much of that has actually been in people's lineups. So overall, your thoughts on Tyro Estrada. (laughs) And the Giants are a weird team because they play matchups not just like lefty-righty, but they play it like like swing plane stuff versus specific pitchers. So it's, it's hard to predict when a guy like that is going to play and when he's not. So I'm... I actually think 75% roster is probably too high. Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't really have all that much interest in him. I don't know that he needs to be rostered in like points leagues or yeah, you know, that's, shallow, that's thing. shallow category leagues. But if you've just had him in your lineup, plug and play all season yeah. in like a deeper category league, he's, he's been a great find. So I don't, I don't want to discount what he's done because sure. Estrada has been very good. But uh, yeah, it seems 
Uh, roster rate seems a little bit high. In deeper leagues, anything to do with these names? Akil Badu made his return to the Tigers, and he went two for four with an RBI, both hits coming off of a lefty. And in 30 games at AAA, he was batting 300 with three homers, seven seals, and OPS over 900. Leody Tavares, we t- spoke about him yesterday. He had another big game, two for four with two doubles. And his third steal, he's only 5% rostered. Josh H. Smith went two for five with a double and a run scored. He is leading off against right-handed pitching for the Rangers. And he's got a 40% line drive rate. I, I know it's a small sample, but that's just a crazy number to have. And the Yerminator, your mean Mercedes, had a big game for the Giants. He went three for four with a homer, four RBI, and he started in left field. I just, I didn't see any like defensive plays for the Giants, but I would have loved to see how he actually played <laughs> left field because that just kind of blows my mind. Scott, anything with these players in deeper leagues? Badu, Tavares, Smith, your mean Mercedes. I am in keep an eye mode, keep an eye on mode um, for for Badu and for uh, for Tavares. I think. I think they could turn into something. I think it's too early to say they are. I mean, especially Badu. I mean, he just got back. But, you know, hitting off lefties, that's nice to see. That's something we haven't seen him do a lot so so far and, and the chances he's gotten. The one I'm really excited about, though, and I think he might be the most under-rostered player in fantasy, is Josh Smith. And I understand... I sort of understand why he's still only 9% rostered because he hasn't done much yet, but... He's, he bats leadoff against righties. He walks a lot. He, I mean, you look at his minor league track record. He, he runs a lot. He's stolen a couple bases already, despite not being on base that much. And, you know, as you point out, he's, he's, been, he's been hitting a lot of line drives. It seems like he's had some bad luck early on. Got, got, some, got some good luck on that inside-the-park home run on Monday because that <laughs> looks like it could have been a single and a three-base error, and they, they gave him the, the home run. But at the same time, like I, I think he, with shortstop third base eligibility in most leagues and the, that capacity to steal bases, I, I think he deserves to be rostered in you know, maybe four or five times as many leagues as he is. All right. How about this for Josh Smith? He is one for 11 against lefties. His one hit was that inside the park home run, Scott. Hmm. How about that? It's just so random the way this stuff you know, works I, I watched the highlight of it this morning. I didn't see it when we talked about it last night. Like he looked so unenthused when he slid across home. Like I've never seen somebody show less emotion about an inside the park home run. Maybe he didn't think it was an inside the park home run. And it was his first career home run on top of that. So like it here's it was funny. It, here's an interesting thing about him. He's got a 47% line or 43% line drive rate. So he's hit 23 line drives this season. He has yet to hit a barreled ball. <laughs> so he's hitting like a ton of 85 mile per hour line drives, I guess, which hey, if you can do that consistently, you might hit for a decent average. It might be all yeah. you do. Uh, but yeah, his max exit velo is in the eighth percentile. So he, he seems pretty punchless. So I would like to see him run more. He actually rates out pretty well in terms of speed. And so if he could be like a, you know, 280 hitter who steals 20 bases over the course of a season and, and scores 85 to 90 runs. I think there's something interesting there, but um, otherwise it, it kind of sounds like, I don't know, a poor man's Gene Segura or something. I was going to say poor man's Whitmerryfield, Chris, just 85 mile sure, per hour yeah. line drives. So it just seems so Whitmerryfield, but, yeah. but you would take a poor man's Gene Segura in, in 50% oh, in a 15 of leagues, right? league. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's why I bring it up, but specifically for deeper leagues. So, uh, yeah, like if, you, if you play in those 15-teamers... If, if, he's, if he's, he's Tyro Estrada, who plays more regularly, like you'll, you know, you'll be glad you picked him up. All right, before we hit the break, want to let you know The Only is a new original soccer documentary that tells the life story of legendary U.S. women's soccer goalkeeper Brianna Scurry. Streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus, the documentary features insights from former teammates and the current U.S. women's national team players she inspired, including Mia Hamm, Brandi Chastain, Julie Foudy, 
Abby Wambach, uh, Midge Purse, and more. From Scurry's darkest moments to her current investment in the reigning NWSL champion, Washington Spirit, The Only provides a unique autobiographical account of the life of a sports pioneer. Make sure to go to ParamountPlus.com and sign up for a free seven-day trial to stream The Only today. Let's take a break, and we'll return right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Unfortunately, Mike Trout exited in the fifth inning with back spasms in that game. So uh, we'll have to see what comes of this. X-rays and MRI, and hopefully it's it's nothing too bad. But um, I don't know if this is something he's been playing through. Maybe it, it explains yeah. why he's been striking out as much as he has. So uh, we'll we'll keep a close eye on that. Fernando Tatis underwent another scan and met with the surgeon who performed his surgery on Monday. An update on his uh, status is expected to come on Wednesday. He's awaiting clearance to participate in full baseball activities. And, you know, if that comes this week, then we could see Fernando Tatis potentially by the end of July, early August. I think that timeline would make sense for him. Trevor, uh, Trevor Story was removed Tuesday after getting hit by a pitch on his right hand. It was announced as a bruised right hand, uh, but he's been sent for x-rays as well. Kevin Gosman threw a bullpen session Tuesday and could be an option to start Thursday against the Royals. He's been a little banged up with a bruised right ankle, but don't hold your breath. I, I feel like every day we get an update that Kevin Gosman's going to start in two days and then it just doesn't happen. So it's it's been very <laughs> frustrating recently because you know, I was like, do you throw this guy in your lineup? I, I did in the leagues where I have him, but... I, I don't even know if he's going to pitch at this point. Frankie Montas felt good after a 25-pitch bullpen session on Tuesday and hopes to start this weekend against the Astros. He's missed his past few starts with shoulder inflammation. Starling Marte has now missed three straight with a left groin injury and an IL stint is still in play for him. Christian Yelich, this one's bad, was scratched Tuesday due to mid-back tightness, which does scare me quite a bit. Uh, obviously, Yelich has a history of back injuries that he dealt with as recently as last year. I mean, Chris, if, if you have Yelich on your team, I know that you know, you've been one of the biggest Christian Yelich advocates this season. Uh, what do you do? Do you just hold and, and hope this doesn't, you know, that nothing comes of this? Because it's pretty yeah, scary. I mean, it, like, this could be just the kind of thing that happens. Like, you know, he's had a history of back injuries. He's talked openly about it, how he's played through back tightness and, and back stiffness throughout his career, even going back to the minors. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's much of anything. You know, it hasn't been an issue so far this season. So I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. But you're not dropping him. You're not no. trading him. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Freddie Peralta has progressed to throwing multi-inning bullpen sessions. He's been on the IL since late May due to a right posterior shoulder strain. And honestly, I kind of forgot about him until I saw this update. Mm -hmm. So would be nice to get a, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a surprisingly positive sign. I didn't realize he had advanced that far, but I mean, multi-inning bullpen sessions, that's like a step away from rehab starts often. So, I mean, we could be looking at Freddie Peralta being back in a month, which I didn't really think was on the table. Yeah, maybe uh, early August would, would be nice for for, for Freddie Peralta. Tyler O'Neill said his bruised right wrist checked out fine following a full workout on Monday, potentially putting him back on track to come off the IL on Wednesday. Tyler Malley expects to return from the IL right after the All-Star break. He's uh, been out since July 6th with a right shoulder strain. Andrew Heaney will begin a rehab assignment with single A on Saturday. He's been on the IL with a left shoulder uh, with left shoulder inflammation. Jerickson Profar is doing baseball activities and could return to action later this week. I also saw that Will Myers is starting up a rehab assignment too. So I don't know how this will all work out for Esther Ruiz. I mean, look, if he hits, he's going to play, but it seems like mm. we're about to have a... Yeah, they, a, a they don't have much in their outfield. I mean, even Trent Grisham has just been a disaster this year. So I I suspect now that they've... they've uh, um, 
you know, broken the seal, I guess, on on Estuary Ruiz's major league career. They're going to give him a chance. But of course, he has to perform. Mm -hmm. I don't want Padres fans to like come for me on Twitter because that unfortunately that seems to happen (laughs) when doing this podcast. But could somebody just let me know if Trent Grisham is actually a good fielder? Because it seems like whenever I watch them play, he is making some like grave mistake that, you know, like, yeah, he had one. Was it yesterday or today where he just like didn't seem to see the ball and it just kind of skipped right past him. It was really it was bizarre. That happened. Anything that happened yesterday uh, when Sean Mania was starting. It was like a line drive hit to his left and he thought he had it squared up, just went right past him. It turned into a triple. He did the same thing last week and it turned into an inside the park homer. And then he came in as a defensive replacement on Tuesday night and he just dropped a fly ball like, you know, it was kind of like a running catch. So, you know, it wasn't easy, but it's just like, dude, you're a major leaguer. Like, What are we doing? Seems like, I don't know. It seems like he might just be in his head. Yeah, for real. Uh, As expected, Brian Bayo was optioned back to AAA on Tuesday. I assume he is a drop in all leagues. Well, redraft leagues. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Garrett Whitlock will likely return Friday against the Yankees, but is looking at a multi-inning relief role. Uh, do we have any interest in him in fantasy? Maybe saves plus hold leagues for Garrett Whitlock? I mean, I could see him in, in some of those like daily Yahoo-style categories leagues, just plugging him in whenever you're not using a starter. But I, I think in the, the sort of fantasy leagues we normally cater to, not so much. I mean, look, I've got Michael King in the lineup in two different 15-team Roto leagues. So, like, multi-inning relievers actually have some appeal in those deeper Roto leagues. You know, you can get five, six strikeouts in a week from a guy like Garrett Whitlock. So, I think he's at least worth a look in in a deeper, like, a 15-team Roto. Speaking of deeper leagues, Miguel Sano will move his rehab to AAA and has been on the IL since... April, after undergoing surgery on a torn meniscus in his left knee, he's 21% rostered. If you need power, again, deeper leagues, just a name to pay attention to, Miguel Sano. Gabriel Moreno was optioned back to AAA as Danny Jansen was reinstated by the Blue Jays. Uh, Moreno was batting 276, but with no power, no power, quite literally zero home runs. Uh, I assume we could drop Gabriel Moreno in two catcher leagues. Yeah, we can. I mean, I- I think he showed some really promising skills. Like he didn't strike out at all, 11% strikeout rate, and the quality of contact metrics were actually decent. He didn't hit the ball in the air enough, but like above average in terms of max exit velo and and average exit velo. So, you know, definitely not giving up on him by any means. Last but not least, Mike Soroka threw a bullpen session on Monday with no issues and should return to throwing live batting practice before being cleared for a rehab assignment. Uh, I don't... Scott, do you think he'll be used as a starter of the season or maybe just out of the bullpen? Mike Soroka? Oh, man. I mean, let's see how his rehab assignment goes. But mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, they're planning to to rehab him to start. Uh, what was his know? most recent setback? Did he get hit by a line drive or something? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's yeah. Been on his just, knee, I think. Yeah. It's just been like... Out, outrageously unlucky. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually excited to see him get back on the mound. It would, it would be awesome after two Achilles yeah. surgeries. Oh, yeah, for sure. be a great uh, story if he if he goes on to have a good career or even just a couple good years. Yeah, that'd be a big deal. All right, let's answer some of these Apple Podcast review questions. Again, we appreciate everyone for uh, dropping a five-star rating on Apple. If you have a question or a team name or just, I don't know, any kind of comment, feel free to leave it in the review there. This one's from CK Demand. Is Nelson Cruz a safe drop in 10 to 12 team leagues? If not, how long do we wait on him? Uh, Nelson Cruz is batting 241 with eight home runs, 47 RBI. Uh, the expected numbers are still pretty good. Chris, I know you've mentioned this before for like older, lumbering veterans. You know, the expected numbers can kind of be misleading. He does hit a lot of ground balls, so that is. Very bad yeah, for I mean, someone Nelson like Nelson Cruz. Cruz is not going to turn many ground balls into hits. Yeah, uh, at his age, you know, he is 13th percentile in sprint speed, which is actually better than I thought it would be. But <laughs> the the one thing I will say is like this feels like a question that's being asked like three months too late because uh, he's actually been decent since about the start of May. He hasn't been good. He certainly hasn't been himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Only six home runs in that span, but he's actually hitting 275 
And he's on 101 RBI, 81 run pace in that time. I've been like kind of kicking myself lately because I keep not starting Nelson Cruz and he keeps having like decent enough numbers where I feel like I should start him, but I'm just not excited about it. And I get, I get why someone would feel that, but I don't know. I still think like he's doing enough and the underlying numbers are good enough that I'm, I'm still willing to keep him around. Now he is asking specifically about 10, 12 team leagues. Yeah. Points leagues. It's fine. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking, well, even even not necessarily points. If we're talking three outfielder, one utility spot, sure, shallow yeah. league like that, um, yeah. You know, again, it's still kind of three months too late because why have you waited so long? Yeah. You know, um, but I, I would say, just in a general sense, I agree that Nelson Cruz, his numbers are going to continue to climb from here. But I don't think, in the strictest sense, he's must roster. So if you have something else, if if you got somebody else to plug into your utility spot who's you you know you feel better about his production that's that's perfectly fine all right this next one's from adam hutchison and uh chris you might want to close your eyes close your ears for this for this next one i'm good Cattell Marte has been disappointing in a shallow league where i have trey turner and marcus Semien. would you drop Marte for any of alex kirloff ramon loriano or jaron duran on the season Marte is batting 265 he's got a sub 800 ops only six homers, four steals. You know, normally the stack-ass numbers are, are his calling card, but you know, this year they have not been as good. Chris, what do you think? I don't quite understand why, though. Because like he's still hitting the ball reasonably hard, not necessarily as hard as he has in years past, but like his average exit velocity in 2019 was 90 miles per hour. This season it's 89.9. Now, obviously, 2019 was a different offensive environment, but... Still, the gap between what he's doing this year and what he's done in the past just doesn't seem big enough to explain not just the gap in production, which he's he's probably been better for real life than fantasy, I think you would say, because he's walking a lot more than he usually does. But I I just I'm struggling to understand why Cattell Marte is not hitting better like He's still hitting a decent amount of line drives. He's not popping up very often. He's pulling the ball more than he usually does. I, I just, I don't understand what's gone wrong. Exactly. According to Fangraphs, his line drive rate is down about six percentage points compared to last mm-hmm. year. His fly ball rate is up, so that would lend itself to a lower BABIP. Uh, his home run to fly ball ratio is is below his career norm. It's only 7.2%, yeah. so... That's actually pretty bad. Um, Scott, what do you think about dropping Marte for one of Kirilov, Floriano, Jaron Duran in a shallow league? Uh, no. I mean, I want to do it. I, I don't think... I, I mean, if you're looking for upside, who of those guys has more than Cattell Marte? It, it'd be yeah. one thing if Alex Kirilov had put together three straight monster weeks and was clearly breaking out, but it's, it's or, too or theoretical. Or Duran could hit lefties. Yeah. Or was getting the opera. I mean, he's left. I, I feel like he's left like three or four of the last five games early. So, like, I could see a world where Jaron Duran or Alex Kirilov's better than Cattell Marte moving forward, but I don't think we're in that world yet. This next one's from uh, Immaculate21, 12 team, 5 by 5 categories league. I lost Bryce Harper, and my pitching is deep. Shane Boz got Woodruff, Verlander, Morton, McClanahan, Josiah Gray, Chris Sale, etc. I got offered Fernando Tatis for my Brandon Woodruff and Jeremy Pena. I'm currently in first place, and there's a big gap between first and second and the rest of the league. I'm looking to bolster my lineup for the August playoff run, but not sure about this trade with the risk that I am taking on. I like the idea, but it seems pricey. Yeah, he just wants too much. He's trying to he's trying to rake you over the coals here with this. It would be uh, like I think it would be a good trade if Tatis was fully healthy. Right. It would be a decent trade if Tatis was like two weeks, two or three weeks away. Yeah. Right. But when we have no idea when Tatis is coming back, like I think Woodruff and like Woodruff and Payne is a really strong combination right. of players. That's a, right. that's a really valuable couple yeah. of players. So I don't know. I, the, the one thing that does make me think like maybe it's worth it is just the idea that he doesn't really need 
anyone right now. Like he's yeah, playing for the playoffs, but even like, then, like you're deep at pitching. Except, okay, you get rid of, rid of Woodruff. You've got Verlander, and as far as rest of season guys that you definitely feel like in the playoffs are going to be huge, massive, guaranteed contributors. I mean, McClanahan. We don't know what the workload's going to look like in August and September, right? So, like, mm. what if he's going out there and throwing four or five innings every start? Yeah. What if, like, Chris Sale, Josiah Gray, Charlie Morton, like, I like all of those guys. I like Shane Boz. I think you have six top 50 or top 40 pitchers right now, so you are deep, but they're mostly in the glob. I think Boz or Sale and Pena is a yeah. more fair trade for both sides. Does that sound right? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. The the thing is, like, even if you assume you don't need Woodruff, you have to, if you're going to use Woodruff as a chip, trade chip, you have to, you know, you, you, you can't give, you can't give one of your opponents here uh, uh, that much of an advantage in the trade. And I'll point out just the, the Marlins as an example of, I'll just trade pitching for hitting. You have too much hit pitching. You never have too much pitching. <laughs> Like pitchers yeah. just get hurt. That's what happens. All right, let's get into the rest of Tuesday's action. Some stud pitchers being studs. And yes, we could have mentioned this earlier, but what are we going to tell you about Shane Bieber other than he's looks really good. He gets back on track with his first complete game since April 13th of last year. He was up against the White Sox where he allowed just three hits, one run, seven strikeouts to zero walks. He had 11 swinging strikes in this start, drops his ERA to 3.24. Garrett Cole bounces back with his fifth double-digit strikeout effort of the season. He goes seven shutout with 11 strikeouts against the Cincinnati Reds. And Dylan Cease makes it nine straight starts, allowing one earned run or fewer. He goes five and two-thirds shutout with nine strikeouts. I lied. There was one more pitcher I wanted to mention. Logan Webb. Logan Webb is on quite the run right now. Six straight quality starts, six shutout, eight strikeouts. The swinging strikes way up in the start, 16 of them. The ERA is now down to 2.82 for the season. He's quietly really, really turned around his season. Webb, Cease, Cole, Bieber. Scott, what do you think? I don't know that my opinion was changed on any of these pitchers today. <laughs> right. Uh, let me see. Anything interesting I could point out here? So Dylan Cease got all 19 of his swinging strikes on the slider. Did you mention that? I thought that was, I thought that was something. He threw that pitch more than usual. And I don't know, maybe he should keep doing that. But, you know, he's had a lot of success no matter what he's done lately. Uh, you know, Bieber, it was it was nice to see this rebound from Bieber. It was, Bieber, it was against a bad lineup and the swinging strikes and the strikeouts were still subpar or at best par. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he continues to be a bit vexing. I think, I think he's it's just fine. He's he's good, but not great. Yeah, you know? I think so too. But part of me wonders if the other shoe is about to like if if there's another shoe that drops, it's a bad one. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's another shoe that drops where he and without improved velocity where he he gets better than this. Okay, I will point Do out shoes tend to drop in a good way. <laughs> I don't think so, but <laughs> uh, there were a few pitch mix changes for you know some of these. You mentioned the slider, Scott. Uh, Dylan Cease used it a season high fifty four percent in this start, and it's just far and away his best pitch. It's been ridiculous. Uh, Shane Bieber used a cutter more today um, on Tuesday, rather, and uh, he hadn't really been using that pitch this season. He used it a lot in his. Cy Young 2020 season and uh, Garrett Cole Did basically the, got rid of the cutter in this one and and up to slider he threw it 35% of the time go ahead Chris did the White Sox have like a, an inordinate number of lefties in the lineup today I'm trying to look I don't even think that they have he, he tends to throw that yeah I think they only had one maybe two lefties in the lineup today so because he tends to throw that pitch more against lefties yeah um, and the cutter's been awful so it's possible that, you know, Bieber figured something out with the cutter and maybe that explains the the change. So, you know, that that would be a potentially interesting development if he feels more confident in the cutter. Yeah. I was going to say the White Sox don't even have that ability. <laughs> Their lineup seems so right-handed. Yeah. It's like 
consistently their top six are all right-handed batters. A few other pitching standouts from Tuesday. Corey Kluber turns in back-to-back quality starts, both against the Red Sox. He goes six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. And Luis Garcia had one of his best starts of the season at the Angels, where he allowed just one hit, one run over six innings with seven strikeouts. And uh, he changed up his pitch mix a little bit in this one. Less four seams and cutters, which has basically you know, been his bread and butter this year. And he mixed in more changeups and curveballs, which they've actually been pretty good pitches for him this season. Uh, Chris, anything you'd like to add on Kluber, Luis Garcia? I remain pretty skeptical about Kluber, so I'm not particularly interested in him. I think Luis Garcia is pretty good. All right. These hitters are pretty hot. Again, could have mentioned Corey Seager earlier because... He has now homered in five straight games, and in six of his last seven, he's now up to 21 home runs before the All-Star break. Teoscar Hernandez has really turned it around. 40 games since the end of May. He's batting 316 with seven homers, four steals, 93-mile-per-hour average exit velocity. Uh, Luis Robert has three home runs over his last seven games, and he has a 50% fly ball rate in the month of July. Freddie Freeman, back-to-back four-hit games with a home run in each. Seiya Suzuki went one for four with his fourth stolen base. And uh, in eight games since returning, he's batting over 300. He's got two homers, one steal. And Glaber Torres went three for four. He has multiple hits in six of his last eight games. And he's now batting 275. OPS is over 800. He's got 13 homers, five steals. It's very quietly been an, a nice bounce back season for Glaber Torres. Uh, Scott, anything you'd like to add on this group? I mean that Glaber Torres. You you read that off that season line. It looks a lot like his rookie season when we thought he was you know the next big thing at second base. It, not the thirty eight homer in twenty nineteen. It doesn't look like that. I mean twenty nineteen is going to go down as the career year for so many players, including Torres, in all likelihood. But you know even the year before that, we were pretty excited about what Glaber Torres could be and. And, you know, it's it's pretty encouraging what he's done this year. I would Here say. Is a, here's a fun fact about Corey Seager's uh, recent run. Was it five home runs in the last seven games? Five straight games, six of his last seven. Yep, six of his last seven. In his last seven games, he has a 238 BABIP. <laughs> he, like, he's having a great season, except his BABIP is like 90 points lower than it usually is. And so... If and when that corrects, and the expected stats mostly suggest it will, I think Corey Seager is going to just be a monster. He's, I, I think he's absolutely like a, I don't know if you could call him a buy low at this point, but a buy. Buy, buy high, buy as high as you possibly can on Corey Seager right now. Uh, he has been awesome. Some other hitting leftovers. Lourdes Griel went four for four. Uh, he's now betting 305 overall, just doesn't really do much else. Five homers, three steals on the season. Speaking of steals, George Springer stole his ninth of the season. He has also has 17 home runs. Uh, the nine steals are his most since 2016. So it's been nice to see uh, George Springer running once again. He's fast, 81st percentile sprint speed. It's you know, it's good to see. Uh, speaking of more steals, Cedric Mullins went two for four. With two steals himself, he's now up to 18 total. Trey Turner hit his 12th home run. Charlie Blackman hit his 14th. Uh, Jorge Polanco has six home runs in 12 games since returning. Batting average hasn't been there yet, but nice to see the power. Uh, Willie Adamas hit his 18th home run. It's only batting 219, but uh, his expected numbers are much better. So I think a better second half is coming for one Willie Adamas. The call to the bullpen. Oh... There were so many things <laughs> happening with bullpens here on Tuesday. Let's let's run through it. The Pirates, David Bednar picked up his 16th save for the Blue Jays. Jordan Romano pick up, picked up his 19th for Tampa Bay. Brooks, uh, Brooks Raley picked up his fifth save. Jason Adam had the Rays' previous two saves, but uh, pitched three of the last four days entering Tuesday. For the Braves, A.J. Minter picked up his fourth save. And since Kenley Jansen has gone down, They've had a ton of save opportunities. Uh, four have gone to Minter. Three have gone to Will Smith. But it does sound like Kenley Jansen will be back soon. For yeah, Wednesday. I mean, it might be plan. Wednesday, right? Yeah. But uh, the plan was originally Tuesday, but I guess they they delayed it a day. For Oakland, old friend Lou Trevino entered with a two-run lead. He gave up that solo homer to Corey Seager. And then an RBI double to Cole Calhoun. He does take the blown save there. And that game was just... Danny, 
Danny Jimenez is, is uh, I think, close to a rehab assignment. I'm curious if he's going to end up reclaiming that role for the A's. Yeah. I He got dropped I in so. a bunch of leagues where it's a big deal that he got dropped. So I, I have some investment in Danny Jimenez now. Later in that game, the A's scored eight runs in the 12th inning, and they wound up winning 14-7. to So that one was just wild. Uh, for the Orioles, Jorge Lopez picked up his 17th save. Uh, for the Cardinals, I feel like every single time I say, we're done with Giovanni Gallegos, right? Like, we could just drop him. He goes out and gets a save. So, Ryan Helsley pitched in the eighth inning. He had a two-run lead. Uh, he was facing 9-1-2 and two in the Dodgers lineup. And then Gallegos came in in the ninth. He gave up a solo home run to Freddie Freeman uh, and then a walk to Max Muncy, but did convert his 10th save of the season. Do you guys see any rhyme or reason with the Cardinals' bullpen right now? Oh, yeah. I think Helsley's their number one reliever, which means he usually works the ninth, but there are going to be instances like when Mookie Betts and Trey Turner are due up that he works the eighth instead. I don't know why they didn't just leave him in to face Freeman, too, but... Yeah. yeah, they did the same thing on Sunday, I think, or at least one of the games over the weekend. There was a similar situation where he faced nine, one, and two, and then Gallegos came in, I believe. So that, that's, yeah, I think that's the role. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto picked up his 18th save. For the Rockies, Daniel Bard picked up his 19th save. You know, just going through this, a lot of either late round relievers or early season waiver wire pickups. I mean, they've they've held on to the role for a long time. It's looking through this. Daniel Bard, yeah. Jorge Lopez, yeah. Soto was kind of like a mid to late round pick. David Bednar was, you know, a mid to late round pick. Um, yep. Yeah. Right. As somebody who writes the bullpen report almost weekly, I mean, it's been a little hard to sustain it weekly with with the lack of turnover. But yeah, it's been things have been surprisingly stable. I mean, the the bullpens that have that are not so stable have pretty much been that way from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And even those you're beginning to see stabilized, like the Mariners. Obviously, the Red Sox recently, uh, the Marlins seem to have found their guy. So that that's that's kind of why that Brett Martin news was, you know, it was it was the biggest shakeup we've seen there in a while. I feel like mm-hmm. for the Yankees, oh, watching this game was just a disaster. Clay Holmes entered with a three-run lead, does not record an out. He goes walk, single, hit by pitch, single, hit by pitch. Uh, pulled with a 3-2 to two lead, bases loaded, zero outs. Wandy Peralta does get the two outs. It's like fielder's choice, they throw home. Uh, and then he gives up a two-run single to Jonathan India. They wind up losing the game. On the other side, for the Reds, Alexis Diaz, brother of Edwin Diaz, walked one but picked up his third save. Uh, he is 11% rostered, and Hunter Strickland last pitched on Saturday. So I feel like he should have been available, yeah, I, I'm guessing that it was because there was a four-run rally in the top of the ninth inning. They didn't, right. they didn't warm up their closer. But like the closer should be Alexis Diaz. He's far and away their best reliever, way better than Hunter Strickland. And I think eventually the cream is going to rise to the top here. With every conversion, maybe Diaz does get closer to, to snatching the job away from Strickland. I will say, I think Diaz probably isn't that good. Like, I, I, you know, I think that the, the issue of the Reds' bullpen will probably continue even if he does become the closer. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think he's going to, like, run away with the job. I think he's probably not very good. But he's, Which is why he's a reliever on the Reds. Exactly, yeah. but he's also probably, you know... Sure, he's better. Like, he, he deserves a chance over Hunter Strickland, Strickland 100%. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, I'm not super excited about the prospect of adding him. That's fair. For the Astros, last one here. Ryan Presley picked up his 19th save of the season. To stream or not to stream, Wednesday, Chris Flexen at the Nationals, Brady Singer versus the Tigers, JT Brubaker at the Marlins, Ross Tripling versus the Phillies, Aaron Savali versus the White Sox, Spencer Watkins at the Cubs, Justin Steele versus the Orioles. The Marlins are about to get swept in a four-game series against the Pirates at home. <laughs> Start JT Brubaker. The, like, the Marlins... Yeah. I don't think the Marlins have right now in their likely lineup for Wednesday. I don't know if they have a single player who would start on more than half of the other teams in baseball, assuming Garrett Cooper's out. Right. Yeah. They won't have Cooper. They don't have Solaire. Jazz. They, they don't have Solaire. Like yeah. it's like, it's like John birdie or bust. Like can John birdie <laughs> steal three bases in a row and they'll score a run. Maybe. Yeah. yeah that lineup's dreadful right now. 
yeah, I, I think Brubaker is the one for me as well. I think we mentioned Justin Steele on yesterday's podcast as well. For Thursday, Zach Thompson at the Marlins in a revenge game. Braxton Garrett versus the Pirates. Cutter Crawford, who pitches for the Red Sox, he will be at the Rays. Johnny Cueto at the Twins. Keegan Thompson versus the Mets. Marco Gonzalez at the Rangers. And Reed Detmers versus the Astros. I would like to add Reed Detmers, but not start him against Houston. Correct. Um, I mean, w- what the heck, Zach Thompson? Let's go finish off the sweep. Jeez. <laughs> um, probably Marco Gonzalez, if I'm yeah. being serious. Yeah. I think that all makes sense. And you could tell how much Scott loves the segment because he did not say a single word. So Man, I do ugh. appreciate that. Just bad. Bad, bad. Uh, All right. Well, if you're still listening at the uh, 107 mark or however long this podcast goes, Scott will not be here for the next couple of days. He's going on vacation. So farewell, Scotty, and have fun while you're gone. Thank you. All right. And we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.